Beloved, this is Commanding the Year, 2023 series. It is a yearly solemn feast instructed by God, in which we commit the year into God's hands, and command the year to go in line with God's will for us. Join us now in today's episode. Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. All right. We bless the name of the Lord once again for another time in His presence, commanding the year. We are progressing, and um, like never before, we have seen God reveal great insight to us on the revelation of praise. Um, yesterday's teachings were explosive. Amen to Jesus. Yes. And um, we were really blessed by the words that came. We trust God for another great time in His presence again in Jesus' name. Hallelujah to Jesus. Um, we, 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 are going, we are still looking at the, the um, blessing of Judah. The blessing of Judah. The blessing of Judah. And um, yesterday we looked at um, Judah being praised by his brethren. And basically we understood that that was a prophetic declaration into the future. Praise God forevermore. And um, we understood that also Judah being prayed by his brethren was to be benefited by his tribe called Judah and then ultimately by um, Jesus. Amen to Jesus. Amen. And today we are going to be continuing and looking up at another component of the blessing of Judah which is um, Thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thy enemies. So, we rather put it this way, hands in the neck of enemies. Amen to Jesus. Amen. Hands in the neck of enemies. Um, the, the, this um, is, we can see it in Genesis 49, verse 8 still. Say, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Holy Spirit, grant us revelation into your word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, when you look at this, the first thing that comes to mind is simply strangulation is that not so yeah the hands in the neck of the enemy that's strangulation and um in in this there is a place of combat now so when we understood yesterday that the, the blessing of judah was a prophetic declaration into the future where his 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 tribe will lead the children of israel in battle we saw that in in judges and saw that in numbers amen to jesus this also this blessing also entails that thy hands being on the neck of thy enemies it talks about combat it talks about war it talks about battle are you getting what i'm saying are we together so this was a prophetic declaration into the future of judah as regards the battles that israel will fight and it was a prophetic declaration that judah will gain victory in battle amen and we see that he led his the, the children of israel to battle and again victory from time to time all right this second blessing entails the victory of praise over his enemies the victory of praise over his enemies that's what this prophecy um, um, this blessing speaks about now so it makes us understand something here that praise is victorious now if praise is victorious it means that praise is a weapon of warfare the bible says our weapons of warfare are not canal but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Most of the times, when we think of weapon of warfare, the only thing that comes to our mind is prayers. Is that not so? Um, 
um, fall and die, die by fire, or the enemy is troubling me, prayers, 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 prayers. That's the first thing that comes to our mind most of the time when we think of what? Warfare, spiritual warfare. But we have not also understood that there is another weapon of warfare in the spiritual, which is what? Praise. And it is not a carnal weapon. That's why it is foolishness to them that perish. Because some people wonder how some people will be praising God and then they are seeing victory. They are seeing uh, battle. By right, for you to war, you need to get involved. But we must remember in Exodus about 14, verse 14, I like the way the um, um, OJP put it. The, uh, um, it says, Authority Jewish Bible, it says, Adonai shall do battle for you. Just calm yourself down. King James says, The Lord shall fight on you and shall hold your peace. You know, peace means being quiet, peace, being, a, being calm. That's a beautiful one, King James. But when I saw it in the um, OJP, it resonated in my spirit. Adonai will do battle for you. Just calm yourself down. Now, how would Adonai do battle for you? Second Chronicles chapter 20. And God told them, Let the singers go ahead. The first time an army went with a music team was in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And they began to sing. And as they were singing, the Bible says the Lord set ambushment against their enemies. And the enemies helped each other to kill each other. Praise is a very powerful instrument of war. The army went, but the praisers went before them. Now we need to understand something. When you get involved in uh, in, 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 in prayers, there's this sense of exerting energy when you are praying in warfare, when you are doing spiritual warfare prayer, there's this sense of exerting energy. But the actual fact is that we are not meant to exert energy in spiritual warfare. Why? Number one, the weapons of warfare are not carnal. If, if they are carnal, then we need to exert energy. We need to exert physical energy. You get what I'm saying? Since they are not carnal, then we don't need to exert physical energy. Number two, the Bible says we are more than conquerors. Through Christ, which loved us. That means we are not trying to conquer. We have conquered. And when you have won, what are you fighting again? Jesus won the victory for us. And our business is to take the spoils of war. Now, and we understood in one of our studies in previous times that the Bible says Paul was taking telling Timothy as good soldier of Christ, endure hardness. And as Christ, as followers of the Lord Jesus, we are soldiers. But we are not soldiers who are, who are trying to go win a battle. We are soldiers who are trying, who are going, we are soldiers who are on their journey, taking the spoils of the battle that our conquering king has won for us. Now, and the only way to do that is to do it the way they did in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So we understood that what happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 was a symbolic representation of the new creation what we are meant to do. We are meant to allow praise go ahead of us while we go behind praise. Taking the sword of the spirit, taking the shield of faith, taking the, putting on the whole armor of God. We put on the whole armor of God, but we allow praise go ahead of us. Because when praise goes ahead of us, with the whole armor of God, we are just actually going to take the spoils of war. But if we want to go ahead of praise, we will put on the armor of God, but man, we are going to go through a lot of tortuous journeys. And over time, Christians have enjoyed fighting instead of resting. The way to rest is to allow praise go ahead of you. While you wear your weapon of warfare going behind praise. See, I have fought too, I have prayed, but you know what? I am actually at a point where I need to rest in Christ. I remember the Lord began to tell us about rest, was it not four years ago? When the Lord began to tell us as a minister, I would enter into a Solomonic era. 
and Jesus is our David. We began to we began to hear that word. So by all means, we have to enjoy that word. You see, and enjoying that word sometimes it's one of the most difficult things for human beings to do because the natural man is wired to want to work things out by himself. The natural man is wired to want to you know to to be in charge. You know, and so. Resting becomes a serious issue. Are we together? And that's why I discovered that when you tell Christians praise is a challenge. Why? Because, come on, why am I praising? There are battles to fight. There are issues to deal with. There are, there are forces that are troubling me. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, there are different things that are disturbing me. Why should I praise? Rather, let me deal with these issues. But you know the truth. You, the issues you want to deal with, you are wearing yourself out for what God has already dealt with. So, what we are meant to do is to allow praise go ahead of us and we follow praise behind. When praise goes ahead and we follow praise, the Bible says the Lord set ambushment against them. What he did there was the typology of what the new creation is meant to be doing. Let praise go ahead of you. Let Judah go ahead of you. Let praise lead the battle. And you discover that you never, you will, you will not need to fight. God told the truth that you will not need to fight in this battle. <laughs> you will not need to fight now, they were in a time where Jesus had not won the victory for them. Are you get what I'm saying? And God told them, You will not need to fight in this battle. What about us who live in the time where Jesus won the victory for us over 2020 years ago? Then why should we still be fighting? Are you get what I'm saying? Why should we still be fighting? You know, sometimes God takes God, it, it takes God, in, you know, um, um, kind of a long time to make us understand that we are not fighting, we are actually taking spoils. And until the church comes to that realization, you will not get to understand what God is said to do. You know, um, um, is that serious that at this point, I have noticed that the Lord just wants me to stay in the place of praise. Don't ask me any question. The Lord doesn't even want me asking questions. doesn't want me <laughs> inquiring. It's difficult for me because I like to know. I like to get information. You know, yesterday I tried to like just get some small information and it was nothing entirely. So I said, Lord, open my I said, Lord, I'm sorry. We'll continue to praise God, Lord. We'll con- it's not easy for somebody who likes to work it out. Are you getting what I'm saying? But this is what God has set in place for the new creation. Put praise ahead and follow praise with your weapons of war. You see, when praise goes ahead and you follow praise with your weapons of war, you discover that you will not need to fight in a battle. But when you go ahead of praise, uh, you will need to fight in your battle. When praise goes ahead, the battle is the Lord, it's not yours. When you go ahead of praise, the battle is yours, not the Lord's. And the challenge we have been having in church is that many of us have been taking the battle that belongs to God, and yet we are complaining that God is not fighting our battle. And God begins to wonder, I don't understand what you are trying to say. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, to live restful is to let praise go ahead. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, praise is a major weapon of warfare. People may not understand this. How can I be praising and say that I'm, 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 I'm worried, I'm battling, I'm praising? That is what the children of Israel did not understand when God told the, I mean, the, 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 the singers to go ahead of them. But when they saw that even this battle cry, they cannot fight it. Three nations came against them. They saw that they cannot fight it. As if you will still be opening chests when you feel you have something to offer in the battle. But when you see that you are overwhelmed, any divine instruction you are carrying out fast, fast. <laughs> So we that we can still be forming that we can do something because we think that we the people that we are the battle we are fighting we have something to offer. 
But when you see that, man, at this point, there is nothing I have to offer. I am overwhelmed. You will obey divine instruction before the instruction even lands on your ear. You pick it. That's what John Fisher got into. And God is allowing us to get to a point in the church where we would have to actually pick divine instructions and obey them. Pick them and obey them fast. Because we are coming to a point where we are getting overwhelmed. And until we begin to take the divine instructions and obey them as foolish as it may sound, we will not begin to exercise our full authority in Christ. Praise God forevermore. Right, so the second blessing of praise entails the victory of praise over his enemy. This means that praise is blessed to always have victory over his enemies. That's the blessing that praise has always have victory over his enemies. See, let me tell you something. You may pray amiss, but you can never praise amiss. I get what I'm saying. When you are praying in your language, in your language you understand, you can pray amiss. But praise, you can never praise amiss. Praise would always get the victory. Praise is always assured of what? The victory. This victory is not just a mere win in a contest, but it is getting the enemy unconscious, which leads to the utter killing and annihilation of his enemy. It's not just a mere win. If we go to a combat, a wrestling combat, then you turn his back on the floor. You know the rules, you follow the rules. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. You go to a kickboxing or boxing, you follow the rules. Maybe there may be injuries. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. But they don't fight to kill. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Now, this what we are talking about here is that this battle is a fight to kill. And praise does not just win. Praise takes the enemy to an unconscious state and most probably totally annihilates the enemy. Kills the enemy to that. Are you get what I'm saying? So it's not like you know the enemy has a second chance at life. No. Praise does not give the enemy a second chance. It doesn't give the enemy a second chance. <laughs> you see, when you praise God, you actually allow God to do what you cannot do. When the children of Israel were marching around the wall of Jericho, seven um six days once a day march around quiet go back and then on the final they march around seven times 13 times in total and then give a shout that shout was a shout of praise the walls actually sank in and became ramps for them Bible scholar says the work sank in and it became ramp. So an angel actually came and used his leg to press the wall down. The earth opened up for the wall to go in. If they had fallen, it would have been some little challenge for them. But they sank in, so there were ramps for them to just walk over. Walk over, enter, and do what you have to do. If the children of Israel were thought of how to pull down that wall for the next one year, that's a wall that could take four chariots. Four chariots is also. The wall was. The wall was. I don't. In fact, they were so secured in their wall that they were relaxed. Say, what are they doing? Let them continue. Let them continue. Let them continue. And the bulwarks were there. The bulwarks were there. The 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 um the archers were there. Everybody was on standby. I know fighting from on top is an advantage. Fighting from on top is not an advantage. When you use jet fighters, you have an advantage over the ground fighters. I get what I'm saying. So they were they, they had they had the archers, they had the bull, everything was there, waiting for the day the people say okay, they want to start hitting the wall. They just use arrows to finish their walls. 
So even the Israelites in that this battle, if God does not get involved, we have no chance at this. I get what I'm saying. And for God to get involved, they have to follow God's instruction. For for God to get involved in a matter, we have to follow divine instruction. And one major instrument for God to get involved in our matter is crisis. You call God's attention into a matter by praising Him. Not by, not by complaining about the matter. Not by crying. Not by shouting. Not by trying to tell God you know the matter better than Him. You call Him into the matter by doing what? By praising Him. Are we together? It's important to take note of the way and manner praise killed his enemy here. It is by strangling. By what? Strangling. By strangling. By strangling. When there is a sword, spear, arrow, and other instruments, why the priest have to strangle his enemy? You see, when we look at scriptures, we should be able to ask some questions. We should be able to ask some questions. And if you cannot ask these questions, you may not be able to get to the heart of God or what God is thinking as regards that matter. Oh, his neck shall, his hand shall be upon the neck of his enemy. Oh, we thank God his hand shall be upon the neck of the enemy. That's fine to just tangle like that. But why strangling? I get what I'm saying. Why strangling? Why strangling? Why not just total annihilation? You see, one of the time, one of the things um, that happens is that when you are dealing with um, when you are dealing with an enemy, one of the things you want is for the enemy to just die quickly. Just die quickly. And most of the time when we pray, we just pray for the enemy to die quickly, quickly. Just die and leave me, die and free me. I get what I'm saying. But you see, that's not the way God operates when we are dealing, when we are using prayers. I get what I'm saying. God doesn't just use his sword to kill the enemy quickly like that. He doesn't when, when we engage priests, doesn't use his sword to kill the enemy quickly like that, or just shoot an arrow to the heart of the enemy and the enemy dies. Or straight a spear into the heart of the enemy and the enemy dies. Or behead the enemy just like that. You understand what I'm saying? Those are what we just want. But when you engage praise, God does not actually act like that. You know what I'm saying? And there are reasons why he doesn't act like that. And part of it is will be seen in this teaching. And so when we see that we are praising God, and we are seeing that the more we are praising, we are praising God, it looks like the enemy that is troubling us has not actually died suddenly. This understanding will keep you praising God. Mm. As I don't like praise because they feel that it's too. Ah. Let us just pray for the person to fall out. Let us just decree the person die once and we have our peace. But you see, some of the times the person dying immediately. Or that problem just leaving you immediately is not actually the solution. The solution is in God's way of doing it. I get what I'm saying. Now, what does it mean to strangle? What does it mean to strangle? To strangle is to choke to death by compressing the truth with something such as a hand or a rope. So when people are hung, they are strangled. To get, are you get what I'm saying? When people, when somebody chokes the person's throat with a hand, he strangles the person to death. Amen to Jesus. Now, in recent times, strangulation has been identified as one of the most lethal forms of domestic violence. One of the most lethal. One of the most lethal. That's to tell you that strangulation is very lethal. You see, so 
when you are talking about strangulation, it doesn't, you know, as it were, ring a bell so much. But we have been stood. I, I did, a, I did a little study on this, and I found this. That is one of the most lethal, as seemingly as not if powerful and effective I may be, but one of the most lethal. Oh, God just carried the sword and cut off the enemy's head. Very lethal. Oh, that's nice. God just use an arrow or use a spear or shoot a gun at the enemy. That's fine. But this thing that does not really look like it is one of the most lethal. One of the most lethal. Without a weapon, it's one of the most lethal. And you know, we're going to be looking more about it. You know. Remain connected. Teaching continues shortly. Beloved, we will like to introduce to you one of our latest book releases. Titled, You Can Have It All. Authored by Chimdi Ohahuna. The word loss is not welcoming to a man, as no one wants to incur a loss nor does any man rejoice over the experience of a loss. By English definitions, the word, loss, refers to the act or fact of being unable to keep or maintain something or someone, and the decrease in amount, magnitude, value, or degree. Also, loss refers to the partial or complete deterioration or absence of a physical capability or function, a person or thing or an amount that is lost, and failure to gain, win, obtain, or utilize. Hence, in this life loss experiences come in many types and varying magnitudes. A loss experience can be something relatively minor or a major occurrence. Whichever it is, it has a way of affecting the one who has suffered the loss to a certain degree. And, depending on his capability to respond rightly by the leading of God, he may be affected negatively or positively. This book provides profound biblical truths on the subject of losses with practical procedures on how to respond to losses as a child of God for it to work out for your good. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. In addition, this book covers and answers the questions that every Christian seek to know. Questions such as, can a believer in Christ experience losses? What are the possible reasons for the experience of losses? Who, what is responsible for losses in the life of a child of God? How can what has been stolen be gotten back? This book will trigger every reader to fight back for all that has been stolen from your life and destiny till now. Order a copy today via Amazon. Welcome back. In, um, this is revealed in the fact that it makes the victim suffer excruciating pains. The victim suffers pains. As we're going on, he suffers pain before he dies. You see, when so, when somebody just dies like that, there's no much. You'll be here, the person, the person will be happy. That you just, you didn't have to suffer pains to die. Shot the person, shoot the person, the person to the act, they have to spare pains to die. But when somebody is giving a painful death, it's more preferable that you behead him than you put him through that pain. Are you getting what I'm saying? I was re I was looking up some different kind of tortures that were done to people. You see, human beings have invented satanic things. Like when you look at the way sometimes they, they invent it, you wonder how they got it. How they got it. 
you know one of them was they put a man in a in a wood kind of boat expose his stripped expose his hands and his leg out like this and he's locked inside the boat and they walk only again so insects begin to eat lick the honey and in the presence of licking the honey they begin to eat him up different kind of insects begin to find their way they put small holes inside the hands and leg section so the insects can find their way in the person shouts in that kind of pain and is eating up I saw quite a number of them like how do people how do people come up with this because some of them if this person maybe the person in question has done so many evils that just beheading the person they are not they are not satisfied I you get what I'm saying just shooting the person they are not satisfied so they want the person to suffer painful death painful death gives kind of a level of satisfaction to the executioner especially when the person has done so much evils that even a hundred counts charge, a million count charge, is not enough to suffice for the evils the person has done. Then they resort to painful, torturous death. Painful, torturous death. And so, what praise does is that it releases a pain, it releases painful and torturous death on the victim of the enemy. So the enemy will even prefer shoot me, behead me, just let me die once, instead of putting me through this pain. I get what I'm saying. That's why sometimes it looks like for people who die, somebody somebody that they put in that box with honey, it's not gonna die instantly. It's not gonna die instantly. And sometimes when you look at the, the way the enemies are still living, that's why David was saying when he looked at the wicked, how they were living flamboyantly and still kind of enjoying their life and you look at the righteous and the righteous is suffering suffering and God told him ah, ah, why should you envy the wicked for they are kept for the day of their destruction now imagine that kind of man now that is inside that box he's shouting different things I eat him up and another man there they just behead him the man who they are about to behead will say hey this one is even living longer than me it's living longer than me, and eh? they allowed me that is you is not better for them to just remove your headphones and you go than for you to suffer that kind of torture. Are you get what I'm saying? Or somebody passing by will see the man there shouting and they say, So he has not still died. He has not still died. This wicked man, he has not said he himself will be saying, I beg, come and kill me. He'll be rather calling the person, please look for a knife and just cut my head off instead of keeping me in this mess. I get what I'm saying. Yeah. Now, so this kind of painful destruction that praise brings on the enemy, sometimes it looks as if it is slow. Are you getting me? Yes. It looks as if it is slow. But you know what? By virtue of the gravity of the evil the enemy has done, even the judgment of God will not be allowed the enemy to die so swift. I get what I'm saying. Yeah. It has to be gradual. So if you feel a little of what he made others feel. Are we together? <laughs> Praise God forevermore. Alright. Now, strangulation is an uttermost form of control and power because the batterer can 
demonstrate control over the victim's life and his next or final prayer. So it's an utmost form of control and power. The person who is strangulating kind of exudes so much control and power. Why? Because he's actually controlling the person, the victim's life. And he can determine the victim's next breath or final breath. In fact, they said that when I was looking at it, when the person, when the batterer is um, translating the person, there are many symptoms the person could begin to experience. And um, unconsciousness is one of them. If the batterer releases the person when he's unconscious, the person can gain back consciousness after like 10 minutes. But if he doesn't release, the person goes from there. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, it has destructive psychological and physiological effects or a potential factor or outcome. So, both psychological effect it has, there are many symptoms of it, brain, brain issues, brain deadness, um, 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 loss of, there are many symptoms of that. So, <laughs> some of the people, after they have been strangulated, if they are not resuscitated, if they are not treated um, early, it may lead to some permanent damages in their body. Psychological damage is there, physiological damage is there. So it can lead to a damage that is permanent. So the person becomes disab disabled because of this act. And you get what I'm saying? Alright. Now, and if the person is unlucky and the batterer continues the process, the, act the outcome becomes fatal. That means the person dies. Now, victims of strangulation who are still sober and conscious will fight um, and we first feel terror and severe pain. You feel terror and severe. So you can imagine all what all what is happening to this victim. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now this is what praise. This is what praise does to the enemy. You see, the enemy is the one who can who feels that he's in control. He feels he has power. You understand what I'm saying? The enemy brings terror and fear, but praise multiplies the terror. Multiplies the fear and gives it to the enemy. I get what I'm saying. If strangulation persists, unconsciousness sets in. And if strangulation persists after unconsciousness, death finally does what? Steps in. Are we together? Yes. So strangulation may cause the following symptoms or consequences and or consequences. Number one, difficulty in breathing. I get what I'm saying. Difficulty in breathing. Number two. Horse or loss of voice. Number three, rhapsody. Next, coughing. Next, difficulty in swallowing. Next, nausea, drooling, vomiting, changes in behavior, hallucinations, <laughs> headaches, lightheadedness, dizziness, urination or defecation. For the married, for, for a pregnant woman, miscarriage. Swollen tongues or lips. Imagine all this the victim has to suffer. Are you getting what I'm saying? Before he finally dies. This is this is worse than the person just dying straight. It's worse than they beheading the person. It's worse than the person just falling and dying. Are you get what I'm saying? It's worse than the person just being shot and he dies. Somebody who dies by beheading or by being shot or whatever, his, his death is nice. But die by all this, that's not the sweet, that's not the nice one. And that's what praise, 
inflicts on his enemy. So you think that the person is still alive, but the person is suffering all of this. Oh, why did this enemy not just die once and for all? But this is what the enemy is suffering. Are you get what I'm saying? And the enemy is actually praying for death. He's praying for instant death, but instant death is not coming. This is what praise inflicts on his enemy. It is not just a one-time destruction of death, but a gradual and painful death. So when you say, oh, the praise is, is, is this praise matter, it doesn't used to work fast, fast. Let us come and fire them with some fire prayer. But you see, um, there are some kind of enemies that if they die once, it is not a good death for them. If they die once, it's not a good death for them. Torturous death is the, is the only way to suffice for the evil that they have done. Are you getting what I'm saying? And the only way for that to be meted on them is for us to praise because we cannot do this by ourselves. Are you getting what I'm saying? We cannot do it by ourselves. It reminds me of the story of Umar Akbar when he told his uncle, his uncle would die seven times before he died. Are you getting what I'm saying? You go, you come back. You go, you come back. Are you getting me? Now that's just a little, a little sign of a little um, as, as, as example of that. But now, imagine somebody going through all this at the same time. All this, all this. He will not prefer. Why don't you just kill me once and for all? But we on our own, we cannot enforce this. Only our praise can enforce this. That's why even when we are praising and it looks like. The things that are coming against us are not dying instantly and giving away instantly. They are actually dying painful deaths. The reason why they are still coming, they are showing themselves is because they are pain, they are dying, but they are shouting. They are dying and they are yelling. What you are actually hearing is they are yelling and they are they are crying and they are shouting. They are no longer, as it were, able to attack. They are the mercy of praise. They are the mercy of praise. See, this is so because when we praise God, He removes His hand of protection and security from the enemy or our enemies who trouble us. And this opens them up to the destroyer who strangulates them. You say, but does, does God protect our enemies? You see, there is, the Bible says the, the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the just. You see, for everybody on this earth, are you know what I'm saying? There is a level of divine protection that they still enjoy. What is that divine protection? The sun has not scorched us. When, God, when David was saying, the sun shall not scorch you by the the moon by night, that is for the child of God. And also, the, the unbeliever also enjoys the sun not, not coming down on their head. We are enjoying a level, a, a, a level the even unbelievers are enjoying a level of divine protection. If not, they would have been dying every day. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. If not, there will be no unbeliever, there will be no wicked there. There will be no wicked existing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. There will be no wicked existing. The Bible says the wicked man shall not live half of his days. He will live. But not half of his days. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. For him to live at all, that means there's a level of mercy that kept him alive. There's mercy that kept for him to live. There's, there's divine protection that's kept him alive. Because if God is not protecting and his mercy is not at work, even in these people's life, they won't even live a day. 
I get what I'm saying? Yes. But when we engage in praise, what happens is that as we praise God, He totally removes His protection, His security, and His covering of mercy upon them. And when God does that, there is no vacuum in life. Somebody has to enter. That is the destroyer. The Bible says, a spirit from God came into Saul. No, when he mean a spirit from God, it's not mean that God sent an evil spirit to Saul. No, what actually happened was that God left Saul. I get what I'm saying. His divine protection and security that will prevent demonic spirits from entering into him, God removed it. And when God removed it, the devourer was happy. The destroyer became happy. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why the Bible says that the moment and they were destroyed of the destroyer. God did not destroy them, they were destroyed of the destroyer. When they murmured, what happened? God got out of the picture. See, because these 10 times you have murmured. So that means you are tired of my security, my protection, and everything I've been doing, you are tired of. Okay, so since you are tired, let me give you a little space. You know, it's like I'm bugging you guys. So let me give you a little space. And when God says we give you a little space, please don't allow him to give you that space. As he gave them space, ah, the, the destroyer is looking for any slight opportunity where God gives anyone the space. The Bible says, Pia, the destroyer came in and they were destroyed of the destroyer. The moment God gives space to anybody, what happens is that the destroyer takes him. He sets him. So when we praise God, what happens is that God removes that covering from the enemies. He removes that security from the enemies. He removes that protection from the enemies. And the destroyer immediately comes in and he strangulates them to death. So praise is our way of removing divine security and covering from our enemies. You want to remove it from them, just keep praising God. You know why? Because you cannot use your authority in Christ to tell God to remove it. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's a general, uh, let me say what is a general principle existing. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, you cannot you do that. Even when Joshua commanded the, the son to stand still, he didn't command the son to smite them. Are you getting what I'm saying? He had to go and fight the battle. Son, I beg, stand still. Let me fight. You get it? You cannot command the son to smite them because that is God's battle. He created that nature. You will command the son to smite them. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you can praise him to remove his protection. When he removes his protection, what happens? You discover that the destroyer has set him. When the destroyer has set him, what happens? He begins to strangulate them. The sun begins to smite them by day. The moon begins to smite them by night. Are you getting what I'm saying? Their heavens over them become brass. The air they breathe become poison. Are you getting me? Just by simply praising God. Just by simply praising God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Praise God forevermore. This truth is seen in the declaration of David in Psalm 18 verse 40 to 41 where he said God had put the neck of his enemy in his hands. It says, Psalm 18 verse 40 to 41 says, Thou hast also given me the neck of mine enemies that I might destroy them that hate me. They cried, but there was none to save them, even unto the Lord, but he answered them not. David was a Judean and a praiser. Double combo. He was a Judean. He was from the tribe of Judah. And he praised God seven times a day. So when he said, Lord, thou hast given me the hand of my enemy, the neck of my enemies, 
What was he saying? I have praised and praised to the level where, man, I'm strangling these guys. I'm strangling them. I'm strangling them. But you know the beautiful thing about it? In the Old Testament, their weapons of warfare were carnal. Everything they did was physical. Are you getting what I'm saying? In the New Testament, everything we do is spiritual. Are you getting it? Now, for David, he said God gave him the neck of his enemy to strangle. That was in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, you know what? Everything we do is spiritual. So we do not strangle the neck of our enemies by ourselves. What do we do? We release praise to God. And you know what? As we release praise to God, God removes his head around them. He removes the, the, the basic security around them. But I call it basic because it's a basic security that everybody is, is, is enjoying. There's a basic, a general message that everybody enjoys. He removes that from them. And what happens? The enemy comes, the, 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 the destroyer comes in and strangles them. So, that is why when I praise God, I don't need to use my hand to strangle the enemy. I have told God. By praising him, I'm telling God, okay, um, remove your basic security so that the person who knows how to do that job will come in and do the job. I get what I'm saying? Yes. When we praise God, he removes his cover of security over our enemies and he destroys strangulates them. 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 6 says, See, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that what trouble you. It is a righteous thing. You know what? This thing, uh, when God does it, it is a righteous thing. Are you get what I'm saying? Yes. It is a righteous thing. When we praise God and God begins to, God removes his security from, from those who trouble us, it is a righteous thing. Yes. It's, a, it's a very righteous thing. It's a righteous thing. It's righteous. Very righteous. So, you want to enjoy, you want to manifest righteousness of God while your enemies are experiencing destruction. Praise God. Praise God. I didn't do them anything. That's all you can say. It's not, is it me that did them? No, I didn't do them anything. I didn't do them anything. Just praise the Lord. And then you discover that you have put the program in place by praising God. God has removed the security. The destroyer has gone to destroy. You are on your own. Nobody can come and sue you. Nobody can come and blame you for destroying somebody, for strangulating somebody. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Nobody can come and blame you for strangulating somebody. Did I call anybody saying where I was praising? No. I will celebrate my God. It's my God I've been calling since. I've been praising my God. Did I call anybody's name? No. Did I even call any me at all? You see, that's why this praise method is very bad. It's very good. Because when you praise, if you are if you are if you are um, using the prayer method, you see you can be called enemy. You say as people say, hey, so you are you now made him your enemy. You called your enemy. Uh, but when I do praise now, when I do praise, I didn't call anybody's name. I didn't even call enemy himself. Oh, throughout is my God I was talking to. So the person that died because of my praises to God, hey, you can go and hold him responsible for his death. You don't hold me responsible for his death. I get what I'm saying. And that's why it is a righteous thing. It's a righteous thing. That's why it is righteous. Very righteous. Because you know what? At the end of the day, you know what happens? Nobody holds you responsible. Nobody holds God responsible. They hold the destroyer responsible. The devil that is held responsible. Who killed him? The devil strangled him. Why the devil strangled him? Eh? Because of all the evil they have been doing. That's all. It just makes the whole, the whole thing clean. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. 
Praise is, is fighting the battle clean. Like somebody, uh, you know, praise is fighting the battle clean. Fighting in such a way that at the end of the day, you will not get stained, you will not get bruised. That's all. That's all. That's all. You can use white shirts to fight and you still have your white shirts clean. That's praises for you. Are you getting what I'm saying? You, 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 you are not raw food. You use a white, well-ironed, gator shirt to fight and it's still the same way it was before you started fighting. That's praise for you. At the end of the day, the one who says he has been a chef and enemy, he gets strangled to death. And not just a normal death, a painful death. Many, many horrors involved in the death. This blessing of praise reveals that praise is an act of warfare. It's an act of warfare. So we don't just take praise ordinarily. We must see it as engaging in warfare. Well, that becomes our understanding. We will just keep praising and praising and praising. Is it not easier for me to praise and then God remove security and then the destroyer will destroy? Than for me to say I want to go and remove the security and I want to struggle by myself. That's extra work. So I rather prefer to praise. Let the program just set in place and nobody can come and trace it to me and not and, and I'm just enjoying my life and living my life. This is how praise as an act of warfare, as an as a weapon of war can devastate and destroy the enemies without us being rough, yes. without us being stressed. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice and praise the Lord. Now is your moment of salvation. If you are yet to make the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and personal Savior, we request that you say this prayer along with many others now. Say this words, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I repent of my sins, and ask that you forgive my sins. I believe that you shed your blood on the cross, died for my sins, and rose again in the third day. Today, I invite you into my life today. Wash me by your blood, make me your own, until eternity be my Lord and personal Savior. Thank you Lord Jesus, in Jesus' precious name. For your love gift of any amount to Grace Life Kami Podcast, kindly use any of our giving channels available, to give in dollars. You can send to Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. Account number, 033-154-551-2013. Swift code, M, B, G, H, G, H, A, C, to give in CDs. Universal Merchant Bank Ghana, you can send to account number, 033-254-551-2017 To give in Naira, you can send to Ecobank Nigeria, account number 554-102-0592 Also, for further enquiries, you can call us on plus 233-54-594-7132 OR, send us an email via ministry at gmail.com Today, remain ever blessed.
Thanks for listening to this teaching. We believe you were blessed listening to this prophetic and life-changing teaching episode. We would like to receive your praise report of your encounter with the Lord, through the ministry of Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna. To send in your praise report or make a request, kindly send us an email via chimdiohahunaministry at gmail.com. If you need more information about the ministry and would like to give a love offering today, you can visit our website via www.chimdiohahunaministry.org. Grace to you, Jesus is Lord.